0: This is Organized Chaos, where you'll learn everything you need to know about life, marketing, and tech with just enough drama to keep things interesting. From marketing strategy to negotiation tactics and skincare, you never know quite where the conversation's gonna take us. Like everything in life, this is Organized Chaos. Okay, hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Marketing on the Moon. I have a very special guest here today. I am so excited to welcome Brennan. Brennan, because we had a little chat before we started recording and We have a lot of similarities in terms of the way that we look at leadership, so I'm really excited to talk about that. It's a little different than the way that some people look at it, but then he also brings a huge amount of experience into his role today. So I'll give you a quick intro, and then Brennan, I'll let you take it away with a longer introduction about yourself. But Brennan's super cool because he currently leads marketing at Alio, guiding the brand across a ton of things, content, PR, creative, community. But before that, he spent time at another Web3 project, really solidifying his experience and knowledge base in the Web3 industry. And then before that, he really has a differentiator of over a decade of experience developing brands at advertising agencies like Wyden and & Kennedy and Laundry Service, as well as a couple others. So he's super cool. I'm really excited for you all to hear more about him. Brennan, Hello. Do you want to, hi, do you want to start us off by introducing yourself, telling us a little bit about who you are, where you come from, and we can go from there.
1: Yeah, I'm Brennan. I'm in love with building brands. I have a problem. It's all about being creative and in the work that I do and and building brands. And I've been doing that for a, a long time. I've been passionate about brand building since I was a kid and was able to parlay that into a love of sports and a love of technology into a career of, of brand building and keeping that Pretty broad, but specifically in the, in the digital space. I'm from Dallas originally, and I went Fun. to school in Oklahoma for advertising. And then immediately, as you mentioned, jumped into the advertising agency space where I kind of sharpened my skills on creative marketing and creative branding and storytelling and narratives, especially in the digital space. Uh, and worked on Jordan brand for a number of years, worked on a, a number of more traditional clients kind of bridge the bridge the gap between very traditional advertising agencies which are more classical and more like traditional focused on account planning and research and then very creative and social oriented agencies kind of worked at a couple different ones across the gamut but in my same time frame of when I was building brands like Jordan brand Amazon music Robinhood even Chick-fil-A, Home Depot, all of those brands. So cool. I was also the crypto guy. Like I started thinking about the possibilities of crypto back in 2010. I found Bitcoin on, on Reddit in 2010 and thought it was fascinating. It was something that really struck a chord with me with uh, some of the problems I was seeing, not only in the financial system, but also Online with how the internet was starting to be formed. And so I became kind of the crypto guy at the agencies that I was at. I was talking about, you know, Bitcoin to people who in 2013 was like, that's a scam. Like you're, you're crazy who now are full time in web three. So it's, it's kind of been a, a crossover parallel journey of me trying to build brands and seeing this space mature. And sort of waited for my time to get into the space when brands were maturing when positioning and differentiation and creativity was going to be more important and that sort of happened around 2020 2021 when i finally was like all right i'm seeing brands emerge i'm seeing a need for for my skill set in the space i'm ready to take a full leap into my passion for this technology and take everything that i've learned in these uh, larger brand and agency settings and start to pull it into the work that needs to be done here in this space and that led me into first of all joining a group called jump and being a a co-founder of that which is a a marketing community that is over 400 people strong that's been heavily vetted and like very high quality people who have been interested in the space we've been doing that since uh, late 2020 and then turning that into sort of a consulting gig while I tried to get my footing in the web three space, um, mm-hmm. which led me to, uh, one, make some incredible friends and connections and, and deep relationships in the space. But my first full-time role with rabbit hole and building the brand there, um, and working on rabbit hole for about, about a year before coming over to Alio and working on the brand and building the marketing team, which I, I'm really excited to talk about our our process there. But that's sort of the long and short of it. There's like a lot of expansion within that, so cool. that journey. But, but yeah, that's kind of the overview.
0: So cool. What would Kid Brennan, who loved to build brands, think about you being the crypto guy, working in a ton of different spaces, and then ultimately ending up in Web3? How would he feel about it?
1: Man, I... <laughs> Honestly, I I have a lot of gratitude for the journey that I've been on. And I also feel like Kid Brennan would be pretty proud of what we've been able to accomplish by just maintaining a focus on creativity, on looking for spaces where we can be creative and and think about ways that we can cross over into culture and focusing on collaboration with people that we really care about and spaces that we really care about. So I like to think that little kid Brennan would be pretty proud about about this. I know that we, we didn't ever foresee this happening, um, <laughs> yeah. but being able to have that career path that I've been able to have has let me touch kind of everything I've ever wanted so far. So I'm excited to keep making him proud.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. And I love the creativity piece because that's a big reason why I decided to move into Web3 too in the emerging tech space as a whole. But not everybody immediately thinks of Web3 or emerging tech as a space where you can be creative. You know, what ways have you seen creativity really play out in marketing? And if you can give any examples, I'd love that too in either what you've done or other projects that you've seen.
1: Yeah, I think that there's a big open space for more creativity in Mm. Web3. I think people have approached Web3 marketing specifically um, from more of a growth mindset, which is mm-hmm. excellent for growing user base and creating feedback loops for, for growth. But I think what's what's often been lost is the stories that we need to tell about why this technology is interesting, where it fits into people's lives, and connecting with people in creative ways to make them realize that that we understand that. I think that's where, where I really look for more creative opportunities and why I'm really excited to be in the space right now is because I see all of these different brands and products and companies and DAOs and networks, all with some really interesting problems that they're solving, but not doing a great job of, of communicating that. So as a marketer, I love that issue. Like if you have a great problem you're solving and a good product to do so, that's fertile ground for great creative marketing and advertising. Yeah. And so I really look for opportunities to connect with people um and try to show them ways that this product or service or whatever fits into their lives. And to be honest, I don't look normally into the web3 space for inspiration on this. Mm-hmm. I look I look outside of it. One that is always coming up for me right now is is Liquid Death, the water mm-hmm. company.
0: Oh yes, very cool.
1: They do a great job of leaning into the story of, of why they exist and owning that tone of voice and clearing mm-hmm. out space in people's minds. And that has turned them into a multi-billion dollar business. It's all brand. It's a water mm-hmm. company that does interesting stories on a frequent basis that has been able to make that a profitable business, mm-hmm. but it's all brand driven. Like if you look at. Liquid Death, the business is how well is our marketing doing, which I think is really fascinating to look at and something that I think all, especially Web3 companies as challenger companies, as challenger industry uh, should take into account. The other that I really lean into and and love is Mischief. Mischief was an agency, but turned into its own brand where they're launching products that are really culturally connected and they're doing interesting collaborations. But they frequently are, are launching new products as a form of storytelling, being able to mm-hmm. tell about, for example, they launched a, a tax program as this, like, they also did the big red boots. If you've ever seen those big red boots that people are walking around, it's, it looks like Mega Man. They did those, but they also. No, but did, that's amazing. Y- you gotta check that out. But the. Yeah, the, I will. The, the, they did a tax program that was like during tax season they built this like fake uh i'm I'm gonna mispronounce this probably the waifu like anime dating app
0: oh yes oh no way
1: a fake anime dating app that helps you do your taxes so people like would sit there and talk to this like anime character in like a multiple choice sort of scenario as if they were role-playing they were dating but oh my goodness meanwhile they're also doing their taxes so like they're, they built this whole campaign around that, but it was really it's really interesting to see how they lean into product as a storytelling mechanism and mm-hmm. build their campaigns around that.
0: Yeah, that is so interesting. It's real gamification, right? Like you're making it fun, you're making it exciting, but you're solving a real problem that people have, which is taxes are boring yeah, and it, complicated at times. So, you're, exactly. you're simplifying that for your customer, which is what I think a lot of marketers forget about. They forget that, you know, people buy products to make their life more convenient. They don't necessarily buy products, and not everyone does because the tech stack is super cool or the technology is super cool. Like a small percentage of the population will. And I think in Web3, I was having a conversation with somebody about this earlier. In the bull run, people almost they were like, We're just going to focus on community. Community, community. We're going to build our Discord channel. We don't need a lot more marketers than that. We don't need marketers to really build our positioning, build our brand, build our story because people are flowing in. And then now, during the bear market, they're changing their tune on that. They're realizing, wait a second, we actually need to implement these fundamentals. We need to build a story because... The people that were flooding in before were probably just there to make a quick buck or to, you know, learn about the project, but they weren't really going to convert. And so I think that change in opinion is really interesting, and it's it's important to remember our fundamentals. How are you taking a lot of those lessons that you've learned and applying that with your team today at Alio?
1: You nailed it. It's the, And this is sort of a, a, an age-old tale of emerging technology. Um, and I have a, an anecdote about that in a minute. But Ooh, like the hell. the important thing that you're highlighting there is that a a brand is more than just a logo or your product or something that you own wholly internally. A brand is a relationship that's defined between two parties. It's the relationship okay. between the people who are using your product and what your team is building internally. And it's a shared agreement. And when there is not a connection there, when you don't have a path for how do we develop this relationship, how do we extend our hand and say, this is who we are, this is what we believe in, this is why we exist, then oftentimes you'll find in the case of like market fluctuations, you'll see that, oh, we don't actually have that relationship with someone to maintain and hold through these rough times. And so it's important. It's actually job number one at any job that I take on to sit back and think about what is our brand strategy. So for Alio specifically, I took almost six months to develop the brand strategy. What's the story we want to tell? What emotions do we want to play on? How do we want to tell this story? What are our key messages to tell that story? Inclusive of that is what our product is. And that brand (laughs) strategy becomes an offering. Right. That's an extension of an, of your hand to your audience and say, this is who we are. Do you want to come along? Cause it's on the marketers and the brand side to be able to extend that offering first. It doesn't usually come from the community first. If you, if you let the community try to decide what you are to them and you don't extend like, here's what our proposal, proposal is for our brand, mm-hmm. then you start to end up with a pretty chaotic brand environment. Sometimes that works. It's not it hasn't worked for me. And that's not what I've learned over the years on building building large brands as well. Yeah. Make an offering towards them, see if it's receptive, and make adjustments until you find that nice rhythm and that nice balance of we look like this. You can expect us to say things like this. Mm-hmm. We feel like this. Our product works like this. And here's why it works in, in that way. The quick antidote I was gonna mention is based off my my experience building Robin Hood. So Mm -hmm. I joined and worked on the Robinhood brand team at an agency called Shiat Day here in LA. And we spent nine months developing kind of a a brand narrative, uh, a social strategy that accompanied that, some different marketing tactics across the different pieces of the marketing funnel around all of that. But in the end, at that point in time, this was 2019, Robinhood was gearing up to IPO, so they didn't want to sit back and think about like, what's our story? What's, what's our emotional mm-hmm. connection? They were gaining traction with users who saw them as a tool and they leaned into that feeling of people then just saw Robinhood as a, as a utility. Right. And so mm-hmm. they, they geared into that. They spent a ton of money on performance marketing, which was basically just the CTA and the KPI was downloads, right? How can okay. we get as many downloads as possible? And how do we get ready for this IPO? Well, that next year when AMC and GameStop was going crazy and now there's a movie about this, but mm-hmm. Robinhood shut down trading for whatever reason on those, on those stocks and their community didn't have a strong relationship of who is Robin Hood, where do they fit in my life? Why is it important beyond just a utility? So they turn back to Robinhood and they go, What are you doing? Why are you turning off trading for me? You are a you are in service of me. Why are you going against that service of me? And that relationship was immediately fractured. So then you have other products and competitors pop up out of almost nowhere who start competing with Robin Hood, and you go and look at the rest of how that story plays out, and you see that the power of the brand, specifically in that moment, is what was missing. The relationship that they had built up with people wasn't an emotional one. It was a functional one. And when you only Mm -hmm. lean into the functional relationship with your audience, you have this chance, a pretty high chance of when things go wrong down the road, are they going to back you up? Are they going to say, that was a mistake, but we know who they are, and we're going to stand beside them? And I can talk from experience on that one, seeing how that played out. It's something that really drives me and motivates me, especially in this space, to continue to push for brand-first strategies that Mm -hmm. thinks about that relationship before we start doing any significant work on marketing.
0: Yeah. And I think that's huge. And oftentimes I find companies just don't have the patience because you talk about you spent nine months, right, working on this strategy. This, what does that mean exactly? Because I know to me what that means, but tactically, what does nine months of working on a strategy mean? Is that testing things with the market? Is that sitting down with your team? Like, Tell me a little bit more about that because I think what's so hard is, like I said, companies don't have the patience for it, but they don't understand really what goes into it.
1: Totally. And it doesn't have to be nine months. The nine months is a, is a special case because we were kind of fighting an uphill battle that they didn't really care about that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, we were saying this is important. This is what's going to drive the brand forward. This is what's going to future proof what you become. And they were like, eh, we're just going to throw money into downloads. So like, but the, the tactical elements of it are a lot of research, like all brand building is empathy. Right, and that's probably one of the strongest skill sets that I think is really important for for a solid marketer these days. Is like understanding your mo the audience's motivations, what drives them, what are their barriers, what's preventing them from from doing what they want to do. And that takes a lot of time to like sit there with your audience and work through that. And there's a lot of qualitative and quantitative research that goes into it. There's more like desk research that's reading up on what's happening in culture. There's like four key components to every brand strategy it's company who are we what are we doing why does it matter right so kind mm-hmm. of inward looking a little bit of navel gazing as one of my old strategy directors used to used to say there's I like that com- yeah competition <laughs> Yeah. So what's going on in the landscape? Who's positioning themselves in what way? What's happening out there? And how does that influence how we need to show up and the space we need to carve out? There's consumer, which I hate that word, but since it's the four C's, I'll keep it there for a second. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, people, what are people saying? What are your, what's your audience thinking? What are they doing? What are they looking for? Where's their barriers? And then there's culture. What's the world around? your audience how is that influencing their decision making what can you do to place yourself inside of culture that mm-hmm. that becomes just as influential as their best friends you know mm-hmm. that sort of thing and and so all of those pieces have a lot of minute details around how do we come up with the insights that drive that brand strategy forward but if you can answer those four things really clearly then you've got some strong footing to stand on now That's an exercise you could do if you feel confident enough in a day. Like Mm -hmm. if you outline those things in a day and you feel like this is it, we're going to run at it, put it into practice. See if it's working. See if it isn't. It doesn't have to be a nine-month process. Part of the reason why it was a nine-month process was just because we were, again, dealing with with a, a team that wasn't sure they really wanted to invest in that. And so it took a lot of coercing to finally either implement it or don't.
0: Yeah. I think that's the point of the marketer though, right? Is I feel like we are constantly trying to evangelize why our work is so important. Why we need to sit down and Think about the brand, think about the story, take longer to build relationships. It's not all just performance marketing. We can't just run LinkedIn ads and social media ads and expect conversions. A marketing funnel exists for a reason. So how do you navigate that? Like, What kind of conversations are you having at your level and what kind of conversations are you encouraging your team to have down you know, through the line in order to make sure that evangelism, so to speak, continues and people understand the work and the reason behind the work?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a constant. We move so quickly that it's hard sometimes to, to get that Mm -hmm. dialed in. Both parts are relationships, internal relationships between marketing and other functions and what it takes to build a relationship externally with your audience, right? How do you manage both of those, both of those things? I'm constantly pushing our team to think about themselves as storytellers, no matter what aspect they're touching, being able to present their story internally to let people know what are we doing? Why are we doing it that way? What time is it running? Why is it running like that? All those things yeah. are really important to share. Share internally. It's also important to know who you're working with and what are their their goals. You know, um, luckily at, at Alio we've got a lot of clear buy in into telling our our brand story. It was something that wasn't really happening previous to me being there, but now it's it's sort of been turned on. We've had the autonomy to go explore these things and the trust has been built up over good results, but also clear communications on here's what we're going to be doing for the next six months broadly, right? How are we going to approach this? What are our key goals that we're going to be approaching mm-hmm. and the tactics that'll lead us there, especially as we gear up towards mainnet? Big aspect for us has been not only establishing the, the brand strategy, but also setting our are sort of dates and gates for what needs to happen as we get to mainnet, right? It's not thinking about like, all right, this moment happens and we begin our marketing then we had to we've had started six months before that. And we're gearing into that big moment, right? And as a marketer, you need to be able to show your plan and and show your show your math. But for the most part, it's it's just telling the story of what are you going to do? How are you going to do it? And then executing on it like a big part that I think happens, you're either one way or the other, right? You're either this strategist who gets stuck in the constant, like, what if we did this? Here's a big plan. Or you're like an executioner who was like, I'm going to go do this stuff a billion times. Mm -hmm. Those things should happen in in tandem. And I, I really look for... I try to do that myself of like trying to balance because I've been in both situations where I have like on Robinhood, for example, sat there and worked on strategy for nine months. And then I've been in situations like Jordan, where we were able to, we knew the brand well enough. We had enough client trust where we were just like doing stuff, trying stuff, building stuff. Amazon Luna is the same way, but trying to pull those two things together and bring that into your, your work product is what's going to be really important. It's like, Tell me what you're going to do. Tell me why you're going to do it and then go do it and tell me what worked and what didn't and go keep working beyond that.
0: Yeah. You need to have both sides, the bias for analysis and the bias for action. And you almost, as a marketer, as you mature, learn how to combine those things together. Because in some instances, you will need to take a step back and really evaluate, research, understand. And then in other instances, you just need to start trying. You will always need to you know, obviously have a strategy in mind, but some strategies will take longer than others to really put together. And it's having that experience where you know you know what situation calls for what i think that you know oftentimes marketers i found they start to lock up they get they get nervous because they feel like they don't understand the work that they are really working on or the industry that they're working on or their customer and yeah. so I always try to work with my teams to develop that confidence. And I know you have a very similar approach so that they know how to talk to the sales teams. They know how to talk to leadership. They know how to talk to product teams and navigate their way through those conversations because otherwise, I find you end up getting steamrolled by those teams.
1: Totally. I, I, you, again, you're nailing it. I <laughs> think it's really a, a great... Great point to bring up. Yeah. But there's a couple of things that you said there. I think are really important. One is analysis paralysis, which is like, Mm you have to analyze your, your work, but you can also set your own KPIs, right? One of the things that always used to get me hung up personally when I was working on, on bigger brands was like, how do I lay out the right goals here? What is the, what is the thing that the KPI? We've got so much data. We've got so many things that we can look at, but like back up and say, what would it work? How would it, how would you make it work for you? What would you be looking for to see success here and how, just be able to tell that story? And then when it comes to like my team being able to do that, I luckily have a, a team of, of people who are all highly skilled in, in lots of different ways. And I try to get out of their way. Like I try to provide like a little bit of guidance and say, here's what we want to say or here's a, a, a way to format it. But like we need at bats. We need to be able to step up to the plate, take an at bat internally be able to communicate, here's what I did. Here's what I think will work. I'm going to go try it and get feedback from people in an effective and constructive way and go execute on it and come back with some some results, but also be able to, as a marketer, the world we live in is so flippant and forgiving because of the way that media works right now yeah. that you just need to, Try some things, you know. Like, of course, you don't want to push your brand into a dangerous position where you're you're saying something or doing something so risky that it's that's going to damage the relationship that you're building. Yeah, with don't you. do that. <laughs> you want to be able to go do. I'm going to try this little animation. I'm going to do this little this tweet that's text only. I'm going to build this graphic and see if it resonates. And if it does, great, keep doing it. Like the coolest thing about doing marketing right now is you're getting instant feedback, and you shouldn't see that as like. A wave of, uh, analytics that you're going to have to like completely digest and dive through. Pick one thing that you're looking for. Like, oh, that got a lot of likes or, Oh, this is really reaching a lot of people somehow. Why did that happen? Like the curiosity element of marketing is probably the most fun element to me. Curiosity is very creative. And that's the match made in heaven, in my opinion.
0: And it's about creating a team environment and that psychological safety where your team feels comfortable to be creative, to be weird, to be out there and new and understand the boundaries, but go and test something, right? Like the Coinbase campaign that ran during the Super Bowl uh, last year. I can't remember which year it was, but yeah, exactly. You know, do you think they had seen an advertisement like that before? Do you think it would have run if someone around the table was like, nah, there, you know, there's no way. You almost have to be this yes and team. Just go and try it, right? Just try it.
1: I love and I that. think that's
0: what's so cool. I know that's one of my favorite campaigns It like so far, just because it was so out there. It was so out there. It was one of the first times that we've seen crypto show up in the not even Web2 world, but the IRL world and right. just show up in a really big way. And it was with this random QR code that just jumped across the screen, which I just yeah, loved.
1: I'm glad they had the courage to do that, it shows like a healthy marketing environment where someone, they might have been forced into it. The story is still unclear Maybe. on what happened with that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the multiple agencies that worked on it and <laughs> Brian himself commenting on it. Like there's a, yeah. the the saga of that spot specifically is still undetermined how it actually came to be. But I think that you're right. It shows like some really strong um, confidence in their team to say, you guys, we hired you for a reason. You're on this team for a reason. You should be able to, to put an idea out there and it should be made. And if that comes down also the idea that like there's one person who is making all the decisions for the brand. Again, it goes back to my definition of what a brand is, which isn't one person's relationship with many. It's many people's relationship with many, many other people. So there has to be other voices in that. And I think speaking of Wyden, as you mentioned, Wyden Kennedy earlier, they've always done a great job of that, of hiring people with diverse backgrounds and perspectives. And they had in the room for any creative idea, you might have someone who wrote a sports blog and another person who was a sculptor. And they're all working on this campaign together. And I think that that's a really important aspect of how you need to build your teams is Mm -hmm. diverse backgrounds, diverse perspectives. And that brings out the best work possible, but you have to let those voices be loud and be a part of the conversation and trust them because you brought them in. Like, why would you not let them have a voice in that? Because who knows? The QR code could be the idea that breaks through. And we saw that in that situation, it definitely did.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But then I also think a diverse team is going to be representative of your customer base, right? Your customers are not all made up of the same type of person who went to the same school, who has the same background. They want to see a special personalized, what feels like personalized campaign that represents what's important to them, what they value. To go back to what you said about, you know, a brand being a relationship with your customer, a relationship with your community, you really need to understand them. To do that, you need to build a team that is going to be representative
1: of that. Oh, man. And one of the biggest things on my mind lately Mm -hmm. has been everyone has been defining at, at least when I try to dissect the strategy of other Web3 brands, everyone's trying to talk to the same person. Everyone sees them in such a myopic way that Mm -hmm. they're they're forgetting that these are very, very diverse and dynamic human beings with all types of interests. Like Mm -hmm. if you only think that Web3 people are only interested in NFTs and DeFi and you define your audience by such a myopic view of like what you're doing... You're missing a whole world of potential creative storytelling that has a lot to do with all the other things that are involved in their, in their lives. For example, it's part of our research that we did around our audience for Alio that we did a long time ago, aka March, but, uh, (laughs) helped inform all the work that we're doing was deep interviews and first person interviews and some qualitative research with yes um, developers and mm-hmm. people who are trying to de- think about like entering a new developer platform and one of the things that kept rising to the top was these are developers who you know the image that you have probably in your mind right now if you close your eyes is like someone sitting in front of their computer 24 hours a day in a dark room like mm-hmm. not not leaving their their house just focused on the work at hand what we found was the vast majority of these people across the world loved hiking and going outside. Like it was a huge insight for us that now everyone who's listening to this, you can borrow this, but that was something that really, (laughs) really was a surprising insight for us that like, they are more than just their computer and the work that they're doing. They have interests and in activities and are much more diverse people and dynamic people than you you think and that becomes a marketing opportunity like look for those ways to start to like dial in the conversation and show them that we're not just this product. we are a brand in a relationship with you that understands what you're what you want in your life beyond yeah. just the thing that we're selling.
0: Yeah, it's not just the product. It is people are buying into a lifestyle. They're buying into the values. They're trusting your brand. And with so many options out there, they need to choose you, and you have to make it easy for them to choose you. And that's based on use cases. It's based on the relationship that you develop with them. It's based on the experiences that you provide them my background's in hospitality, so I will always, always oh, nice. focus on, yep, the customers first I think about the senses that they experience when they walk into an event. My background's also experiential marketing, but I'm so on the same page as you because people forget about that, right? There's an opportunity for marketing in the wellness space, right, for developers that you may have not even thought about unless you knew that they were into hiking and being outside and you know doing those sorts of activities. And I, I think... The creativity that can come from that is really cool.
1: The hospitality background is a perfect place to cross over into marketing. Like my, my background comes from like, you know, more of a a classically trained advertising (laughs) person, which comes with its Mm -hmm. own baggage. But hospitality, especially is such a special place to enter into brand because that's really all it's about. Like we've been talking about is like, how do we serve? these these people better? What does it look like to be a good custodian of their relationship with our brand? And mm-hmm. it, hospitality comes from a place of empathy. And okay. I don't know how many times I can say empathy in, in a podcast, but uh, the empathy part is what breeds great work. So being yes. able to have that skill set and background is, is really important. And this is what's also beautiful about marketing is that you meet people who have all different types of backgrounds who have made their way here, yeah. right? In search of something creative Something that matches their skill set of of being an empathetic listener, like all of those mm-hmm. things lead to marketing. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it all comes into the beautiful puzzle that is marketing. I think that's <laughs> such a great way, right, to describe it of the, we need these different backgrounds. We need these different experiences. Yeah. Okay, I might bring us to a close with that because I think that's a really beautiful place to end focusing on the empathy, focusing on the relationship building, the hospitality of it all, if you will. Brennan, thank you so much for being on Marketing on the Moon. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you how much I learned in this episode, how much my listeners are going to learn in the episode. Brennan, thank you so much. We're going to need to continue this conversation in the future. This was wonderful. Let's do it.
1: I'm down. Yeah.